take number two. So following up on our last episode where we talked about starting this digital tech forum at our son's high school, we thought we would talk about tech at home, especially where your kids are concerned. But we'll tell you already the tip, which is you have to be the change you want to see. You have to change yourself before you change your kids. Yes, and that will probably be the hardest thing um, for all of you, and it certainly was the hardest thing for us. The latest thing that I have had to change, I mentioned a few weeks ago, um, pod fasting, um, wherein I drastically reduced the number of podcasts I was listening to um, uh, from, well, by, I probably eliminated uh, 70. I don't know where you found the time. Well, you listen to them at triple speed, so that's Or quadruple speed. I don't even take things in. Oh, well, obviously I wasn't taking them in very well either, but I was just, you know, I wanted to get it all down, but that was that was becoming bad. I was listening to it in between things while I was exercising, while I was doing the dishes, while I was doing everything. I was listening to something, had my earbuds in my ears, and was basically not present to the family. Yeah, and I suppose any of you who use earbuds at home regularly know how annoying it is when you're calling to someone in the house that you know is right there and they can't hear you and you just shout louder and louder and louder and you get so aggravated and we've all done that to each other yeah and well you know and when you're when you're with somebody the other day we um uh, were having a meal with some uh neighbors of ours and noticed after a while that their 13 12 year old son had an earbud in in one of his ears while during like the whole thing um, which was exceedingly rude, um, but must somehow be acceptable. Well, have we not tolerated that in our own home? Yes. Yes. We okay. have tolerated that to some degree in our own home as well. Right. I mean, we have not done that while we're eating meals together. But anyway, that that sort of sets the groundwork for what I wanted to talk about, which is that... Uh, tech in the household. Tech in the household is something that requires um, deliberate um, engagement and planning in order to create the household that you want to have. So I think the place to start is just, are you frustrated? <laughs> because I think for us, a lot of it was just, this is this is like the story of humanity with all technological development. A Promethean story. Yeah, well, this new thing comes along and it's really cool and it has great possibilities. And so you yeah, just Yeah, I mean, you've got fire, it. you can just like... You can burn you can... down your neighbor's house. <laughs> You after cook, you've you can, roasted you the can goat. cook the food even after it's gone bad and still eat it and it won't kill you it won't give you stomach pains right right you can set the the prairie on fire and it will drive the beasts before you right you know and well so i think just the point is that we adopt these things and again we are not like the most avid adopters of tech but you know we're reasonably there and you know these things just they take on a life of their own and sometimes it takes a while to even realize that that has happened and then realize that you're frustrated and then figure out what to do because it's already been so insinuated into the way that you're living that peeling it back seems like punishment or regression or you know just just being a downer in yeah. some kind of way yeah and it's it's a, let me just say it's a lot easier uh, personally and intrafamilial intrafamilially to uh Start from the beginning and build up and not have to peel things away because that meets with lots of resistance. Right. But I think the point is that we're doing the disentanglement podcast, which is for people who are already entangled. Right. So anyway, we just, we mentioned the last episode, seeing this kid who was functionally an addict to the phone. We have 
often had the frustrations of being with people we haven't seen for a long time and they cannot leave their phones alone to be in places or meetings when people just pull them out. We've been guilty of that too, but we're just thinking like specifically in the home environment. And so I think the place to start is to just kind of figure out where the frustration or pain points are, but also more positively, like what kind of household life do you want? So, I mean, I think honestly, there are probably unhappy families where what people want is to just not talk to each other. So if you um, live in that household (laughs) and you don't want to talk to your family members as like a positive design for your life, then by all means, keep the earbuds in and keep staring at the phone. But assuming that more of you actually want to have a rich and meaningful life in person with the members of your own family uh, that you dwell in the same house with, then you're going to have to be doing some disentangling and stripping away probably. And the first thing is just what kind of life do you want together? So I think this was really going to vary. Like for some families, I think maybe they're so busy that literally like having a meal together regularly is a struggle. But if, you know, the only time you're really all together is at a meal, then for God's sake, get the phones away and not just like upside down on the table, like literally in a different room. Yeah, they've actually done studies. Again, these are studies who knows how accurate or long lasting they are, but they make a kind of intuitive sense of people talking at a table and just the presence, a family talking at a table, just the presence of a phone, even if it's not on, even if it's silenced, just the presence of that decreases people's engagement. Um, with those whom they are with. I think it also said it increases the children's anxiety. And I think because what that box, that little rectangle represents, is that at any time, something could come out of that box that is more important than me. Right. And that's what happens. There's the ding. Um, and, you know, there may be very exceptional cases, like if you're waiting for a call and your mother is in the hospital or something like that, right? Right. But that's just, honestly, let's just be honest. It's not, that doesn't happen every day. For most people, that's not reality, right? Yeah. So that's, that's a major area. Um, I think another one we found, which now that I think about it, now since we've changed it, I much notice it much more, which is earbud use. Right. The earbuds. You know, we always, we think about the visual stimulation, of course, with video games and with videos, that's, that's a big deal. Staring at the screen. But, but for us, and maybe this is peculiar to our own engagement with the world, which is highly verbal, um, podcasts especially for us podcasts information content that we just have keep coming in i'm not i'm not a huge music listener i do do listen listen to a lot of music but particularly the informational podcasts i find irresistible and i want more of them and i want more information and i want to know what's going on and i want to stimulate my intellect all the time right and well when we talked in our episode about podcasting is that can become a substitute for live conversation and seeking out local conversation right. because, you know, it's sort of like the phenomenon that once some preachers started putting their sermons on radio, TV, and ultimately live streaming and podcasting, like, why go to your local church where, you know, you just get your local preacher who isn't anything distinguished? You know, there's a, a winner-takes-all quality, and that even applies to conversation. I think that's what I learned from your full-on podfasting experience and my reduction thereof. I'll have to say for me, one of the bigger issues has been music because the three of us in our household have some overlapping musical tastes, but we definitely all have areas of non-overlapping music. Yeah, well, and those of you who have teens know that the teen taste in music is narrow uh, and sentimental um, and... Um, trite. And trite. look, objectively, music has gotten 
really bad since the year 2000. Just yeah. nothing new or distinctive. And I'm not saying that like your great grandmother did about. You can even consult Ted Joya. He agrees. Yes, and so does Jaron Lanier. Anyway, but I think for me, one of the great things about earbuds is that I didn't have to listen to a lot of our kids' music. And I could just, you know, it was just blocked out. Or if it was on like a speaker, I could put my own earbuds in and listen to my own podcast and not have to deal with it. And that seemed like a really good solution, like tech often does. Yeah. And then over time, I think we were gradual to realize it, the phenomenon of shouting at someone in the same house with you, trying to get their attention and they can't hear you. Um, the phenomenon of trying to speak to them and then only one earbud comes out and you realize like, I am not important enough for two ears. I'm only important enough for one ear. And I would get so angry about that. Yeah, well, and that's something to And I would do it sometimes. Yeah. I would do it sometimes. Yeah. Well, so, like, I'm a hypocrite on top of everything else. Yeah. You know, but, like, that compelling, whether it's the music or the podcast with your, you know, 50 best friends that you've never actually met, it's very, very powerful. Yeah. So, you know, actually, now that we're talking about it, I hadn't quite realized how significant this had become. Anyway, recently we decided to do another kind of set of changes to tech in our home, and one of them yeah, was... Yeah, and this is just, just so the, the audience knows... Um, we have been ratcheting back uh, the tech in our house for, for, for years, um, uh, starting with the fact that we did not get our son a smartphone when he entered high school or junior high. Uh, and um, we have pretty severe limits on tech use. Um, but nonetheless, you know, things creep in. Yeah, and I think, I think for me now, thinking out loud about it, the earbud did not strike me as tech. You know, like, mm. even though I remember the first time you showed me wireless, I was like, but how does the music get in there? Because I'm such an idiot. Like, <laughs> I was like, but there are no wires. How does that work? <laughs> and I thought it was amazing. But I think that's the point is like, you don't even see tech as tech sometimes. And you don't realize that it comes with its own well, logic mean, the, and force. Yeah. And the best tech does kind of disappear. And so that there's, there's it's not completely naive to think of it like that. I mean, right. there, there's a kind of, and here's where the cyber utopians are a little on the right track and they sense that we do kind of become cyborg people right. when we um put the things in our ears we don't have quite have uh, elon musk's neuro link um never never <laughs> ever but but there's a way in which we do kind of merge with these technologies i mean it's not just the, not just the tech but but the, something about the ear the noise coming in the sound coming in the ear that's incredibly as we've noted before intimate um also, you know, the fact is that you can close your eyes and you can close your mouth, but you can't close your ears. Yeah. And so there's something about putting in earbuds, which is just refusing the availability of sound, which is so primal and basic. Yeah. It is shutting that out. And that's why shouting at someone in the same house with you trying to get their attention is so frustrating. Yeah. And I, you know, our son um, also following our lead found yep. his own podcasts with his own interests uh but would spend you know hours and hours in his room by himself with his earbuds in just lying in bed listening to fun stories yeah and like again honestly we modeled that behavior yeah. we spent lots of time listening to other people talk in our ears and i guess it just got to a point where life at home was not primarily about the three human beings who actually live here and all of us in our own ways were sneaking more and more time with our 50 imaginary best friends through the podcastosphere and um it had to stop and i have to say although i don't really love <laughs> hearing our son's music some of the time um though you know that's part of human negotiation is you have to figure out how to coexist in the same space the fact is i find home life actually much improved yes 
I find it easier for us to be together. I find that we talk together more. We're more present to each other and we're not being, con- we're, I mean, we're just removing the constant frustration with each other. Yeah. So f- for example, um, now I have to say it is much more calmer. So in the evening, I mean, our son does his homework. He can listen to non-vocal music mm-hmm. uh, at that point um, and usually find something um, not too offensive. Um, and no, not at all. Not just not less irritating. Less irritating. Us, yeah. um, and uh, and we're able to be in the same space, and we're not having conversation. But it do, it's very different um, ambiance than when each of us is like listening to our own words. There, there's a real sense that you were living in three different universes. Mm-hmm. But in this case, we're actually in the same space. And that has a lot to do with the sound. And I'm I'm surprised how profound that has been. Yeah, I, I think it's one of the mistakes of like parenting that's about qu- quality time, you know, or like schedule a date with your spouse. Well, I mean, that's fine. You know, well, but it's well, a different thing. Well, I, the point is that thinking that that's the ideal rather than like a solution to an overbooked schedule. But the fact is conversation among human beings is not primarily on a time schedule. Part of it is just like, you're all here together and you talk when you talk and your ears are open, you know, and it doesn't have to be, you know, you know, within this time span is when we're available for talking, having our ears open means it just happens when it happens and it's much more natural and human. And it actually does more to build up the relationality between you than when you, you know, only have set times or you have to like physically remove the earbuds to hear someone and talk to them. So even now, if our rule is even for us adults, um, the, the, the young person does not have earbuds anymore at all, but the, uh, for the two of us, we only put earbuds in when we're alone. Right. And so like if I'm out for a walk or if you're exercising outside or something, but you know, I used to always listen to something, a podcast when I was cooking, even though I was in the kitchen, which is continuous with the other downstairs rooms, which meant I was unavailable. And you know, it's been a little bit weird at first. I definitely have had some withdrawal and been like, I'm just here with my thoughts while I'm cooking. But you know what? It's not that terrible to be with your thoughts. And if it is that terrible to be with your thoughts, then you should get therapy, not medicate yourself with podcasts. Right? Right. Yeah. Okay, so, and I think there's one other um, area about um, shaping the household. So the one is is removing the earbuds to have common aural space together. Yeah. The other is getting the smartphone set aside. Is it Cal Newport who has the foyer method? Yeah, this is what I, I learned about this from Cal Newport, who suggested it in his book, I think, Digital Minimalism, where just talking about various strategies to tame tame the tech in the house so that it is for the benefit of the household and for its best use, not for just any good use. So for example, um, he recommends, and I think this is a great practice for a household, is to uh, leave your smartphone in the foyer, right next to the door with your keys. If you have one of those baskets, you know, you put it in there with it. Um, So that the phone is not something that goes with you everywhere in the house. It doesn't accompany you um, as your second brain or as your extension upon the world, but it, it is something that is, um, has very specific use and is limited. And God help you never bring it into your bedroom. No, never your bedroom. It if is you not... want to sleep or do anything else interesting in your bedroom, leave the smartphone outside of it. Right. So, um, that's one practice that we, I probably began doing that, um, a couple, a couple of years ago and have been, it's been very helpful for me because I don't just automatically look something up when I want to, mm. um, I can, save that up for when I actually need to do it or if I need to make a call or send a message I actually 
leave where I'm going, go out to the foyer next to the front door, uh, and um, type my message and then come back. Yes, it does uh, make it more uh, less convenient to answer messages and calls, but I don't... That's the point. <laughs> but I don't answer messages and calls regularly. I do it on a schedule. Um, and if somebody really needs to get a hold of me, they can actually call our home. Right. I think so anyway. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then the final one, and this one I think I first heard about actually as a physical health measure, which is to put your Wi-Fi on a timer in your home so that it shuts off sometime in the evening um, and then is off all night and comes on in the morning. I think where we live, it's probably as a physical concern, a lost cause because there are so many other <laughs> yeah. Wi-Fis around yeah, us that are probably not. Probably a lot of you, if you turn on your Wi-Fi, you realize like 15 networks within range or yeah. 20 networks or whatever. So that's where I first heard of it. But you were, you were the one who heard about it as a way of yeah, managing. Yeah, it's, it's simply a way of managing. So, so in our house, um, we decided... Um, based upon our morning schedule that um, a bedtime of somewhere around 9, 9.30 um, is uh, good. And um, that... For all of us, for we all actually of us. keep more or less the same hours and as so, our And so um, an hour, hour and a half before that, we simply turn off the Wi-Fi. So there is no more internet access um, after that point. Actually, it, that's not totally true. The Wi-Fi goes off. We do have... A number of uh, one my computer is connected to the Ethernet, so if we actually do need to do something after that point, it's possible. Mm -hmm. uh, and but, I guess technically on our phones we have 4G if we wanted to right, do it um, that way. Right, but the the house Wi-Fi goes off, which means that our our son's school laptop no longer has access. Um, our laptops no longer have access. The music um, goes. The music off. goes off. There's right. everything just goes off. Right. Which means you kind of go into a particular routine. I found that very helpful. Right. Um, it's of course, if we absolutely need it, we can turn it on um, uh, temporarily. But that requires uh, deliberate use, and I think that's kind of the point. Is right. it, it's and it's just a little bit annoying where it's located. It's just a little bit awkward to get to, and that's an amazing deterrent to yeah. lazy human bodies. So yeah, so it goes off at eight on school nights and nine on other nights, right? Um, and comes on at five or six in the morning. Right. I think we're and again, I'm not users. recommending this schedule for anybody in particular, but I mean the idea of uh, not sleeping with your Wi-Fi on and not sleeping, and not assuming that at any time, day or night, um, you need to have access to the internet. And, well, and, and also receive. stopping it well before you go to bed, not right. just right when you go to bed. Right. And we've also adopted. I think this might also be a, a Cal Newport thing. Is kind of a deliberate. I am done for the nights because right. we both do a fair amount of work out of the home. So on some level, it could just always be happening. You so mean inside the home? Oh, yeah. Inside. The, sorry. Yeah, I misspoke. Yeah. So just, at, you know, after usually after supper, I'll just say, OK, I'm going to go shut down for the night. So I turn off my computer and I turn off my phone and set it aside and I'm just done. And, and we actually shut it, shut books. the power off. Yeah. Uh, don't just sort of lie it down but actually turn the tower the power off so that you're not going to get any messages and that if you want to do something it's going to require at least the annoyance of waiting the minute or two for it to start up right right putting that friction in there is actually part of the uh part of the strategy uh to, that makes this work right and I think the, the thing about this tech is it's so easy and so insinuating that to have to just make the argument at every time, like, please take out your earbuds, please turn off the music, please don't look at your phone right now, please set that aside and pay attention to me, please don't look that up. Like, that is just so demoralizing over time. You're going to stop 
fighting, however much it irritates you, because then you have to make a decision about every single thing, and it becomes almost like moral or moralistic in the process. Right, yes. You don't have self-control, or you don't care about me. Um, and those are just not the kind of messages you want to be sending minute by minute. You know, um, so... Well, and it isn't, on some level, it isn't moral on the immediate household scale because these things are engineered to swamp all your systems. It's yeah. just a useless battle to fight. So what makes much more sense is in your household is just set up barriers, just very simple, practical physical and access barriers so that you don't have to have that. And yes, there will be some lag time. There will be a withdrawal period. It will be awkward at first, but you really will bounce back pretty fast. Yeah, there are always um, things to do that don't involve the phone. I mean, we read lots of books. We play board games. Um, We don't have a television, but um, even something like a TV uh, that's not streaming on demand content delivering you um, irresistible algorithmic recommendations is so much better uh, than uh, that's just that kind of TV is so much better than YouTube yeah we actually have a big screen and a projector so you know on the weekends we usually watch a movie together yeah you know but it's one we choose in advance (laughs) and are all more or less on board with you know we kind of go back and forth yeah and we 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 actually don't subscribe to any streaming services we simply Mm -hmm choose a movie and rent it for the evening yeah, so it's right. a very deliberate choice whenever right. and- yeah so the 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 takeaway here is think about what kind of household you want to have pay attention to where the frustrations lie build up barriers so that you don't have to make individual choices all the time about these sorts of things and above all for the adults in the household you have to model the change you want to see you cannot impose it on your kids or expect it of your kids unless you're doing it first okay (laughs) all right